everyone, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Valhalla review slash spoiler talk about session today, where I'm not joined by a usual Craig, but a reoccurring Craig. <laughs> uh, go go ahead and say hi, Craig. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Happy to be here. Happy to talk about some Valhalla and my experiences with it and the long journey from start to finish. It's definitely a longer game, for sure, and especially if... The main reason we wanted to do this is because, one, uh, we're both Assassin's Creed fans, mm -hmm. and Valhalla was something we were super excited for. Yes, I do admit, you know, maybe I could have finished the game a little faster here. It did come out <laughs> yes. in, you know, November or October of last year. So we're, you know, at least we got to it eventually here. And Valhalla for both of us is kind of this mixed bag, so we have a lot of opinions to say about it. And for those people who maybe were hitting the down sec the downtime of the new release schedule, and maybe they're looking at Valhalla because it is a you know, it's probably a forty dollar game or something like that now. Like there are sales going on for the game to try to sell it. Definitely. So we're both here to let you know about what we think about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So Craig, I'll let you explain like how how long have you been playing the Assassin's Creed franchise for? Um, so I was a bit of a dabbler back in the beginning. Um, in the beginning of the series, you weren't necessarily, at least in my eyes, I wasn't necessarily sure if I was going to like the game fully. And um, the first real one that I completed, because I was the kind of person that I kind of went back and I did some other ones like way after the series was established. But yeah, the first one for me that I fully completed, like start to finish um, was Black Flag. Um, yeah, yeah. Th there was just something about being a pirate without the physical and emotional repercussions of actually being one in real life that enticed <laughs> me to the real game. Who, who doesn't want to be a pirate without the worry of what could happen if you get caught? You know, like... You're sitting in front of a television and you're playing the game and you're not actually a pirate in that time frame and don't have to deal with the diseases and everybody who's trying to catch you and just other pirates and stuff like that's what enticed me to it. And I loved the game um, from the beginning. And that's what kind of spawned Assassin's Creed for me um, going back and just taking a look at like the ones that I've played because I... I kind of never really finished another one. I kind of went back and then I did like 20 hours of this, 20 hours of that, because I think that I didn't get what Black Flag gave me fully. Yeah. Honestly, until Valhalla. Um, I know we're here to talk about positive and negative points of Valhalla, but if there's one thing that Valhalla did, it was kind of, it was that reminiscent, it had some touchings from black flag that made me want to play it more you know and it was definitely with the traveling uh on using a ship having a crew and utilizing that raid system as well um which that one wasn't in black flag um that was more odyssey but um which i know you're an expert on yeah yeah <laughs> to say the least but assassin's creed i know that other gamers have had their ups and downs with the series um, just because they kind of offer a similar, a similar meal every time you sit down to eat, you know, there are some, there are a lot of similarities that kind of make it, it can be bland over time. Um, but 
I guess to make a long story long, but to try to shorten it, it was really Black Flag <laughs> that took me into those reins because you really want to just, I mean, you play video games to be taken away from your real life and such like that, that we can all agree is one of the big points for somebody to get heavily or even lightly into gaming. So being able to be these um, sometimes semi, but sometimes more than semi truthful characters in real life and experience all these different places that we can't normally do in time frames that we can't normally do. I think that's one of the appeals of, um, of Assassin's Creed that brings people like me, people like you, people like uh, the, the community to, you know? Yeah. With my Assassin's Creed area, and I kind of like that you started off with Black Flag, Black, uh, Flag because for me, I was a big fan of the original. Like I played all through Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood, uh unity i played all those but then i stopped at black flag and <laughs> everybody tells me that black flag is more of a pirate game rather than an <laughs> yeah. assassin's creed game now i don't have anything against black flag i know a lot of people loved that game and for some people it's their favorite assassin's creed game in the franchise yes but for me the pirate theme was just so overplayed <laughs> so i've skipped that i also skipped syndicate Okay, And then I picked up with Origins again. I didn't finish Origins. And then I played through Odyssey, which we'll get into the comparisons between Odyssey and Valhalla here. And then so I completed all of Odyssey and its DLC. And then now we're at Valhalla where we're both done with it. And it's been a long and historic turmoil kind of history for the Assassin's Creed franchise, especially with what it's especially sometimes with the convoluted story it decides to take more so than, you know, one of my favorite games, Kingdom Hearts. Yes. So, (laughs) you know, we'll we'll start getting into Valhalla here. And one of the things that I want to say is primarily from my point of view, I am going to be comparing Valhalla to Odyssey a lot because Odyssey, both of these games, I spent a lot of time in and while I'll admit Odyssey was a slog, it also was taking place in ancient Greek with ancient Greek mythology. And that's just the stuff that I I, mm-hmm. I love that stuff. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I love reading all about that. So, you know, there there are times when, you know, I hated <laughs> uh, Odyssey, but I still played through it for the fact that it was taking time in my favorite time period. Yes. And. The Assassin's Creed Valhalla got me into the into the Viking mythology, and now I'm just as much into Viking mythology as I am Greek mythology. So mm-hmm. both, you know, both have a lot to do with getting, you know, get if you want to get into the lore of both of those mythologies, which is good. Yeah. But regardless, we'll we'll get into for uh, we'll get into the game first. It's going to be gameplay here, which, um, for me personally. Uh, before getting into specifics, I think Valhalla does a really good job of evolving from what Odyssey gave and makes a lot of things more streamlined, a mm-hmm. lot of things easier, and allows it to be more fun. How did how, how was your experience with the gameplay there? Uh, I enjoyed it. Now, when I picked the game up, um, I wasn't expecting to have that. I don't know why I wasn't expecting the 100-hour experience, because you know, I got an email like every other PlayStation person does that kind of racks down your yearly games, what you played the most of and such. And even though Valhalla was one of the last games I picked up when the PS5 came out, that had the most hours on the year for me. Yeah, It was one 
I think it was 114 is where I finished. Okay. Um, so the gameplay obviously enticed me enough for 114 hours. That being said, there are the mechanical issues sometimes that you have with the particular gameplay. It was faulty at times. It was janky at times. And there was... It, it didn't seem unfinished by any point, but you could definitely see at a game that was that massive and that that map and that story that was created that massive that the gameplay did have its... It had its hiccups. And it didn't deter me from playing the game, you know, obviously uh, playing it as long as I had, but over a while, it kind of was like this thing on the back of your head, like, Oh, there it is again. There it is again. There yeah. it is again. Yeah. Um, one of the main things, I don't know how deep you want to get into the gameplay real quick, but one of the main things is where, and I, I just know this from knowing about Odyssey, not playing it myself is the incorporation of raids which was a similar aspect to what you can do in Odyssey. It just had a different name. Now the raids, uh, you know, you you have your Viking crew, you sail on your Viking ship, and they, you can actually choose between them telling stories or singing about Viking hardships, which was a nice little thing I, that, I thought, that I thought was nice. But when you chose to raid a location, the AI with the particular characters in the game, like your support system, your group, you could see that they they never really had a particular algorithm they were following. And it was evident as you were storming specific areas. That's just one of many. But the gameplay did not keep me from fully playing it and enjoying it. Um, I wouldn't say that would be the the biggest thing that I would have the issue with. But... <laughs> when you think of like you know i like to be when you, when you when you see these development teams and covid and such like that and them having to finish these games on time and then you see these horribly bad mess ups like a cyberpunk i'm sure everybody has heard of that game regardless of whether you play video games or not um yeah. i understand if maybe they couldn't work out some of the last minute kinks in the uh in the uh, armor so to speak for the game but there definitely were some things that you could see that you could be critical about. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned rating, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Cause I, you know, I do have a couple points with rating where rating is definitely kind of a new, is a welcome thing for me, especially at the beginning of the game where, you know, you're trying to get these resources for your base and making it, you know, and so it can stack up and you can do more things at your base. But eventually toward the end game, I really didn't care about raiding. Mm -hmm. um, raiding, it, raiding is always the same thing. It's forced combat, which, <laughs> you know, not and, you know, th that's Viking, th that's Viking lore. It's Viking mythology, you know, you know, pillaging villages is what, you know, uh, Vikings were all about exactly. during those times. So it makes sense. They're not going to be stealth sections or anything like that for raiding, but uh, eventually it just kind of becomes, okay, you know, let's, I found myself more, uh, more along the lines of if I was sailing and there was a raid that a raid level that I could do, I would do it. And then mm -hmm. if not, I would kind of skip it more so in the late game when I always go for all the synchronization points in, mm -hmm. in the, in the Assassin's Creed games. Cause it, it make it makes traveling so much easier. Of course. So a lot of the time 
I end up just, um, I would end up using the boat for a little bit, especially into a new area. And then the moment I started getting all of those synchronization points, I just stopped sailing, Mm -hmm. especially toward the end game. I would just look for whatever, uh, synchronization point to fast travel to was closest to my objective and then travel there and then take your horse. And even at that point too, uh, you get a horse tamer that eventually can make your horse swim. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about, you know, too deep of water. And then at that point, you know, it's not like Black Flag where you're or in Odyssey where you're sailing over like a huge bunch of ocean. Yes. These are all just very little lakes mm-hmm. so that or, you know, very little rivers. So at some point, you know, it's just like, oh, my horse will just go over it. And then, look, I don't need my ship. Yes. So, you know, the, the rating is a welcome addition, but it definitely toward the end game. I, I, I still have raids that I could do and probably will have to eventually. But that... um. You know, rating's a fun thing for a little bit, and it looks really good at the first the first couple times you do it. But then after the 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 whole thing starts to wear off, especially toward the end. Yeah, which is funny you mentioned that because I'm pretty sure about different aspects of this game we're gonna have a similar, if not the same jargon about where it was fun at first and then it wore off for a while. You know, because I would say not everything in Bahala, but when you get to that 90th hour. You know, you start having to make decisions of, do I want to keep exploring side questing or do I want to just finish this story, please? Yeah. Like, finish the story, please. Yeah. So I have some raids I have to do because, I mean, they they were sectioned off on the map where you would get to a, if you were like at a level 60, you would sail past a 210 raid level early in the game. Like they were sec, they they weren't, they weren't placed in a, specific way that felt progress like you had some progression they were just placed you know so you would have to sail farther away to a lower level raid that you could do meanwhile a stone's throw away there's a raid that's you should be doing in your 80th hour you know of playing so it wore off after a while and you know if you didn't need the resources for the settlements or upgrading or whatever you know i feel like a lot of people would just not even do them after maybe four or five of them you know yeah for sure and with with rating we'll continue to talk about the gameplay sort of thing so in in a big difference between odyssey and valhalla was the fact that the hidden blade was kind of not existent in in odyssey at all where the hidden blade and the hidden one group of um of Valhalla is very much prevalent and mm-hmm. now for me this is one of the big the big upsides of Valhalla I love the fact I I loved the stealth in Assassin's Creed games there was nothing more there was nothing more fun than getting to kill your target and assassinating them with the hidden blade whether it was poison or jumping on them mm-hmm. and then getting away scot-free you know not raising an alarm getting out of you know wherever you were and that the fact that they brought back the hidden blade brought back so much more potential for combat in mm-hmm. in Valhalla. The older games were all like that. And while in Odyssey, sorry, in Valhalla there are certain enemies you can't one-shot, which is fine with me. Mm-hmm. You can have forced uh battles there. Um a lot of a lot of the enemies you can still one-shot even if they are, you know, that yellow health bar and that kind of thing, which just makes 
combat so much better. And yeah. I know that I'm not sure how much you played of Odyssey because that was kind of the first game that took away the the hidden blade. So um combat is so much more varied in this game and in a very good way whether you want to go up front and assault everybody or you can kind of stealth like and have that approach if you want to now how did you end up going approaching the game for most of the time so in the beginning um i wanted to be true to more assassin's creed so i would stealth um I, like everybody else who's played at least one Assassin's Creed, cheered when the Hidden Blade finally got revealed in the story, you know, yeah. because I kind of had that thing where you feel like you're Wolverine without the claws. You're like, when is this, when am I getting the blade? And it didn't, it didn't take too long, but it's not like you started the first minute with it. So yeah. getting that made me feel like I wanted to do, wanted to pay homage to Assassin's Creed by utilizing it more. Um, as I upgraded and got better and better and util and learned, got better with the dual wield system and such like that, I became more assault. But that again goes to the patience aspect of the game where yeah towards the end i kind of wanted to really finish it i just wanted i have been down the road i'm a start to finish person when i play games i like games that have an ending i get to it i earn it and i get the reward of seeing my accomplishments of throughout the game so i became more assault definitely later on but i would say first first 20 25 even 30 hours i was i was trying to stealth everybody and Going to your point, um, I I really don't know why. Well, I guess technically it's your point um, with the hidden blade and how it should be. It should be a part of the Assassin's Creed series. It should be. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It should always be a piece of what you're trying to do. And even with games like Valhalla, if you want to give somebody the ability to storm and have the Viking mentality, because I didn't have to see a Viking to know that Vikings necessarily weren't stealthy most of the time. <laughs> so, but this is an Assassin's Creed game. And regardless of how much they are trying to expand it into a larger Eivor and her, and his or her, depending on which uh, character you choose in that aspect travels, it is at heart an Assassin's Creed game. So I like that they did have the blade and the ability to use it um and your choice of how you wanted to play stealthy or upfront you know yeah and that's something they just need to keep you know just you can you can have both types of style in here it's just a matter of the the hidden blade made some made some objectives so much more fun you know there there is there is fun to be had starting from the outside of a base getting everybody on the outside and then picking off each and every single individual person to the point where your target is finally just by himself and you can assassinate them, mm -hmm. which a lot of the time in Valhalla, the bosses that you end up going to in story campaign mode, I'll say are most of the time it's forced combat. But mm -hmm. when it comes to the order, like the order of the ancients, which we'll get to in kind of the story section of the, uh, of the spoiler cast, is most of them are one-hit assassinations where you don't have to go through an entire raiding of a castle 
or meet this person here to fight them sort of thing or you know battle at the end point so i think they did a really good balance yes of stealth and uh assaulting combat now uh, one of the other things that I do want to get into is kind of the, a benefit of this game as well, is I think they finally got that loot system right. And <laughs> yes, thank you so much. They did in in Odyssey <laughs> and in Origins, the loot like I don't get this current like thing with games and I get it for certain games like Destiny or even the new Outriders game where you're constantly getting this loot and better weapons. But at some point it becomes so overwhelming with all mm -hmm. the stuff you have. And especially in Odyssey, you could have seven or ten of the same spear. And the only thing is that it's one slightly more powerful than the other. Mm -hmm. What Valhalla does here is you start off with the one version of the weapon and then you can upgrade it over time to make it better. And me personally, I think the ingredients to upgrade is fairly easy to get. Yeah. If you're are. doing if you're doing minimal exploring, you can find what you can find a way to make your weapons powerful and can keep up with whatever point you are at the game. And it is so much better than having to search through 50 different spears and 100 different swords in order to get to one that makes sense or mm -hmm. one that you like. I love the fact that in this game you can, if you, you'll find weapons along the path, but if you want to find other weapons as well, you just have to do again, a bit of exploring. Yes. And a lot of the times when you're on raids, as long as you use your kind of Eagle or Raven's vision, quote unquote, it's going to highlight gold pieces and it'll tell you, you know, when, and you can see when armor is close or when armor yes. is going to be somewhere near you. So that was, it's just so much better yeah. than the grind that it was in Origins and Odyssey. Yeah, spending spending your time looking at your equipment for 10 minutes, you know, just takes away from the game, especially if you're not already aware of it. If you're buying, like you were mentioning Destiny or even the Outriders game, um, choosing destiny destiny's got that looter shooter if you're buying borderlands you know it's a looter shooter like you know you know what you're getting it's in the it's basically in the genre of that of what you know you're buying but you, you can never tell with certain games and valhalla when we started when i started i was surprised because it, it actually made you become more proud of the weapon you chose you know, or, or sticking with it and not, and if you got a new weapon, you weighed the pros and cons, but you weren't there for a half hour trying to figure out what you're going to sell, which weapons you're going to sell to what merchant. And, um, you know, like, like you were saying on the, on the maps, you could actually make a decision to go to a weapon if you want, because as soon as you yeah. start using that Raven's vision, um, as soon as you start exploring areas of the map, they plop it, they drop a pin basically a Viking yeah. pin right on it. And you could choose to go to it. If you wish, if you're content with your weapons, you could just keep your weapons. I mean, I had, I was dual wielding spears for 40 hours of that game and the spears yeah. didn't really change. You know, um, they had, they just both worked together. The two that I had, they complemented each other correctly. And then you had to choose armor wise of whether you basically wanted I mean, they had the Raven, Bear, or Wolf armor, yep. and as yep. soon as you started the game, you could you could 
thoroughly understand what it was. If I wanted to travel lightly, I would go with the Raven armor. Medium was wolf. And then if I was like trying to go in guns blazing or spears axe blazing, mm-hmm. I would probably be wearing the bear armor because that's going to adjust. So like that, it just made everything so condensed and manageable. So you could focus on playing the game, not yeah. managing your inventory. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that I that I liked about the about that whole system as well, and if you're just starting the game and maybe you're ready to play Valhalla, one thing I would suggest doing is like looking is looking up the skill tree because it's not going to really spoil you in any way. Because for both types of play styles, one in order to wield two lances, which what I ended up going with, the double lance is just overpowered. <laughs> it it really is that how fast the attacks are and everything, but. In order to do that, you need a skill in order to hold both heavy weapons. So that's going to be something that you need to unlock at some point. A lot of the times I just went axe and shield until I got to that point in the game when I had that ability where I could do two spears. Same. And if and that's primarily for assaulting. Now, if you're trying to go stealth, there's this thing called the critical strike assassination where you do a very, and I'm going to put quotations around this, a very mini game like segment to where you just have to make these two lines match up in the red area right before an assassination, and it ends up being a one-hit kill. So the fact that Ubisoft had that kind of, um, you know, foresight to, you know, this is maybe how people want to play. But the only thing is, is those parts of the, those abilities of the tree are hidden from you until you get close to them. So if you were to look up a guide, that's what I would suggest doing. Yes. Is especially for those two abilities cuz they fundamentally change the way you can play the game. Yes. Whether it's, you know, you know, assassinating everybody in one hit for the most part or being able to wield two heavy weapons, which definitely makes the combat a lot more fun. It definitely opens it up in a lot of ways. And at some points I really wish that those abilities were more easier to access. Because somebody who somebody and especially if you're not if you're somebody who's just letting your your level up points auto assign, you may never get to those abilities. And and at some point you're going to wonder, oh, well, you know, I'm power level 250. Why can't I wield two spears? And it's because that part of the map is either hidden from you or the auto assign really doesn't go anywhere near there. So that that's why I would say it's just a tip is to those two abilities I find are so essential to making gameplay more fun and lasting. So just stock up some points and get to those abilities as quick as possible. It makes yeah. the game a lot more fun. Yeah. And to piggyback that one hit ability, you also want to pursue the multi assassination as well. Yeah. Um, not only does that look cool out of, out of all the animations in that game, I could watch you jump or if you're, I guess, coming from a higher elevation or if you're going behind, I can watch the assassination of the target that you have. The ability allows you that if there is a guard or another enemy in the vicinity, you can be, you can chuck an axe at the person's face and basically do a dual assassination. So if you're caught in that spot where two people are hanging really close together, you do have the opportunity to kind of just extend your assassination capabilities and it looks, it still 
looks if I were to do that right now, I would still feel the same way as the first time I saw it. It's a nice animation. You know? <laughs> it is. But it helps also fundamentally with the game too. Yeah, and speaking of animations, like <laughs> I, I will I will it uh the brutal kills in this game, I just wish there was a little bit tiny more of. Like um after every big enemy that you go on and fight head on, you know, you can take their all right. You can ta- uh, you can take their their weapon and you do some sort of kill with it, whether it's chopping their head mm-hmm. off, strangling them with their own mace or um, like taking a lance and throwing it at them, that kind of thing. So the brutal kills, I just wish were a little bit more often just because sometimes after a big, long battle, you just want to end it off in some cool way. Yes. And sometimes, especially if you're not facing like a, a tough enemy at the time, you just kind of kill that enemy and walk away and then yeah. you know and then your your stealth's back that kind of thing it gives you a nice uh fatality kind of thing you know um yeah you know, finish yeah. him you know like that kind of thing definitely yeah. so i'm looking at through more of my notes here it it it, it kind of is just the the same old stuff you know and another thing with it is I just the Assassin's Creed maps are just so huge (laughs) that it really gets overwhelming, especially if you're somebody who like you first get to England and you look at that map and you go, okay, this is this is a lot. You know, this is and you can get overwhelmed and that can be a part of the game that you really don't want to get into or or it can kind of scare you off from playing more Um, for for the most part you know the map isn't as varied as it is in odyssey it's not as big of course but you know you've got tiny biomes throughout england there you know the upper north is super snowy as expected the middle is kind of this marsh land area and then the bottom half tends to be a lot more open plains and that kind of thing whereas odyssey it was definitely a lot more varied where it was a lot more mountainous Mm -hmm. and a lot more um you know varied weather whether it was raining you know snowing or all all different types of of areas to go through so you know the the map's all right and i'm not sure if you have anything else to say about it gameplay wise um i'm gonna go with all right as well uh the map itself can be overwhelming and um depending on how much time you spend in Norway, you could get into that map and feel overwhelmed because Norway didn't feel like a a quick intro. It was designated as the intro for you to kind yeah. of get you used to traveling and what you would have to do um, exp- exploration-wise and such like that. But you get to England and you're just like, oh. And it was quite evident when you were trying to go throughout the gameplay and get all these factions on your side, all of these sections uh, and these, these areas that are run by a specific person or a group of people, you know, you would get to one, you'd finish. And then you were kind of fully aware as you were going through them, how big this map actually is and how long it's going to take you to get to the final area of the game. Um, Not to mention there's other areas you can explore as well. You know, mm-hmm. they, they really left, they really let the world be your oyster in that aspect, you you know, but, whew, you know, after a while, you kind of, it kind of got a little bit, um, 
I wouldn't say bland, but it just got a little bit overwhelming, you know? Yeah. All right. So with that, do you, is there any other kind of gameplay thing you want to talk about? Are you ready to get into the story? Uh, let's get into the story. Let's definitely okay, get into here the we story. Go. So before we get into too much of the story here, I am going to kind of preface how the, how the story works in this game. So again, you act as Norway is kind of the intro. It, it's not very big. It, it is sort of big, but it's, it's meant as the entryway until you get to England where everything kind of starts. Now, how the story works pretty much is it's told through you as in many, many pledges, or I call them pledge quests in this mm -hmm. game where you start in the middle of the map and you work your way out. And what it is, is there are every time you're every time you start to make a pledge to a territory, you go over to a map and you look at it and go, okay, I'm pledging here. You then head to that area and do the quest line in order to get that territory on your side. Another part of it as well is hunting the order of agents down, which is just, if I'm going to sum it up very quickly, they're introduced in Odyssey and they're, they are a bad group. They work with Templars, who are, the, who are kind of the bad organization in this game. And then on top of that, you kind of have the Assassin's Creed hidden, hidden ones is what they're called. They're not the Assassin's Creed. They're called the hidden ones in this game. So you end up, you end up having a balance between going for your Order of Ancient Targets or doing these pledge quests or you know doing the the um the hidden ones kind of story and even some of those pledge quests are the hidden quest story mm -hmm. so i'm i'm breaking it down into two different parts and i'm going to talk about the order of the agents last because that is a big part of of this game so for the most part with the pledge quests which is what we're going to go with first how did you feel about kind of the pledge quest system and the stories that were told throughout there? I like it as an idea on paper. Um, I think with, with those, it was mini quest, sorry, not mini quests. It was mini, it was like a, not a mini game either, but a mini storyline that you can go into complete. The issue I have with it is the characters that int were introduced in these pledge quests. I did not feel dedicated to a lot of them. Um, the only time that I really felt dedicated to it is when I saw the character again, either in different specific ways that the story, I don't know how much we want to uh, spoil here, but it, it's, it's all spoilers here. You, okay. you go into it as far as you want. Cause I plan on doing some of that too. Yes. I mean, seeing some of those characters come in back at the end of the game where you're kind of making your final stand towards Alfred and beyond that, kind of plucked at my heartstrings a little bit because there was a character that showed up that was like literally the first pledge quest, if not the second. And I had not seen her since. Um, I had not seen her since. So seeing her show up 60 to 70 hours later or whatever it was, was nice. Um, because they kind of, Ubisoft was kind of like, here, here are your accomplishments. Here are the people that are standing by your side. Those pledge quests actually did mean something. You know, and now here are all these people who are going to fight on your behalf. So on paper, the system was nice because it allowed you to focus on one single area. I liked that in the pledge quest, I had the goal of that specific area. So any exploring I wanted to do as somebody who plays games a lot, I told myself I'll do a bunch of that 
before I finish the pledge quest, because I don't know when I'm just going to want to come back and see this place again. Like, you know, so sectioning it off kind of felt like it was Ubisoft telling me, hey, you should probably get all of the items in this area, do all the side missions in this area, and then leave, you know, and... Mm -hmm. I appreciate that bone if that was what they were trying to do. I do appreciate that bone that they threw me because that's what I ended up doing. Now, that's what made the game 114 hours for me is I would stop. And if I had an inkling that the pledge was nearing that last mission in that area, I would just take a step back and do what I needed to do. Um, But that also goes along the lines with how I play games. I play like that you know i want to make sure everything's done in an area before i move on so to each their own in that aspect um but i could see based off of that how the game could be 50 or 60 hours for somebody if they really don't do any of that stuff if they just go pledge done pledge done pledge done go um but the con to that goes back to what i said a couple of minutes ago whereas in the story i didn't really care what was going on, like in the conflict in that region that I was in, they all had, they did their best to diversify what the conflict was in the area. But basically somebody ruled it and you needed to make sure that the balance of power happened. The only exception I think were the cities that were counted as sub areas, you know, Um, those tended to have slightly different narratives slightly that made me more intrigued to visit the city areas um but when you're thinking of like hampenshire lincolnshire um all the shires not (laughs) not to be confused with the shire from lord of the rings you know um (laughs) i didn't have enough time in the area nor did most of their conflicts entice me enough i just cared about Aver still it was just it was all about Aver Avor. so yeah you know I don't know how did you feel yeah when it comes to the pledge quest what I what I found is you know you do have some reoccurring um pledges but I also felt as though somebody who kind of went through and did all the pledges pretty much you go and do all these pledge quests and they help you out two times in the story (laughs) and both in major points but a lot of the time you go to that area and some of these places, you never see these characters again, especially in the city ones, which you mentioned where both of the city areas, you know, you track down three order of the ancients, you kill them. Everybody's happy. You never hear from them again. I know. So yeah. it, it kind of sucks that they did it like that because you would expect as you know, you did, you spent 60 plus hours doing all these pledge quests and you're going to hope, that the end payment of that is that all of them are going to come together. You're going to have this massive army and you're going to do this gigantic raid where, um, you know, it's a huge castle or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in a way in the end, that's kind of what happens, but we'll get to the ending. Trust me, we will. Oh, man. Um, but the, the pledge quests that had to deal with taking over England, I found is the weakest part of the story yes. where the quest you did with Sigurd uh, who is your kind of adopted brother and um, Basim are some of the most interesting, you know, points of the game where, you know, 
Sigurd and Bassam are looking for Order of the Ancients and they're you get involved in their story because they're looking for this sorcerer, you know, this heretic called Fulke. And yes. Fulke is someone who kind of unlocks and helps Sigurd, you know, realize his destiny kind of thing. I'm trying to avoid certain spoilers there, but the that storyline was so much more fun to go through. The only problem I had with it is you would go and get one little itty bit of that story. You would get to play, you know, one pledge, but then another you would go another four to six hours without any sort of progression on there. At one point, Sigurd is away because he gets captured and a lot of and you're not going to be of level for that, especially like with me. And I played Valhalla with that XP booster. Mm -hmm. So even when Sigurd gets taken away, there are other areas you need to do before you can even get close to Sigurd. Whereas I would have thought maybe, oh, you know, Sigurd gets taken away. That's the next area I need to go to. Yeah. Like, I need to get my brother back. But if you're not of level and you're going into an overleveled area, you're going to get killed really yeah. quickly. Yeah. So that storyline, which was the strongest, they kind of... Uh, they they leave too many gaps in between it. And if I'm being honest, the whole taking over England and ta- and getting King Alfred was the most boring part. Yeah. Where you know you the mini stories in each of these pledges were okay. They kept you a lot of the time. It was something different. For one of them, you're framed for murder. In another one, you have to protect a young a young you know prince. I forget what they're called. Um. in in the game officially but there there are too many times where either one the pledge quest doesn't matter in the end or you pick the wrong person or they don't end up helping you in the end of the game which just kind of falls flat and i'm gonna i'm gonna separate it into two endings here there's the taking over england uh end game and then there is the hidden ones uh ending there both are two different endings. Now, if you've never played Assassin's Creed, what it is is you take control of a person in present day who is playing through the memories of that particular character you're playing as through the Animus. Now, I guess this is where things start to get complicated, mm-hmm. but yes. the a lot of the a lot of a lot of this game is played during uh, or at points where you're just playing as Eivor but you're more than welcome to freely go out of the Animus and play as the character you're playing as Layla, where I won't get too much into the story, but the, the Layla section is really, really um, kind of ignored in this game, where in Origins and Odyssey, Layla was kind of a, a more central focus to where they would literally kick you out of the Animus at certain points, especially in Origins, to kind of further develop Layla as a character and an odyssey that's you only, I think ever get kicked out of the animus once before the, before the end game starts to happen. So, you know, overall, that's what makes this such a mixed bag for me is one ending was really worth it in a lot of ways. And the other ending, the, I'm going to call it like the actual ending (laughs) fell so flat. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Now, I'm going to I'm going to say this right now because I think you're ready to talk about the endings as well. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, spoilers, if you're looking to play this game, and I'm going to be honest, after you hear these endings, it's really going to make... After you hear these endings, you're going to find whether or not this game's going to be for you or not, or whether mm-hmm. or not you want to play it. Because I'll talk about the ending we first get to, which is the storyline of Sigurd and Bassam. Again, spoiler warning here. I'm just making it very clear. So... I'm not sure how your ending went, but with my ending, you know, Sigurd eventually becomes aware that he is an ancient god of Isu. Yes. And you at the end game, you go back to Norway, you confront your you confront Sigurd's dad or your dad mm-hmm. and you just kind of you just kind of tell him he's an a-hole. Yep. You know, you you kind of just, you know, I'm not I won't get too much into to the early story specifics here but you you go you go tell off your dad you then get back on a boat and sigurd forces you to go to this one fjord in norway where he knows there's this secret door so he goes through the secret door he starts speaking language you don't understand and literally in the subtitles it's language that's incomprehensible it's just a bunch (laughs) of words and it's just a bunch of letters and sounds yeah so you find out you know in a way sigurd is right sigurd is an ancient you know isu isu god so you find this weird machine at the bottom of this fjord and what it is i'm I'm not even really sure i can explain what it is but you go through and he to you know sigurd touches this orb and it takes you to a simulation of valhalla it's not valhalla but it kind of is where in ancient greek mythology valhalla is kind of this endless dining room hall where warriors you know courageous warriors who died in battle you know courageously get to fight for all of eternity and enjoy themselves eventually the simulation gets broken through a lot of other things and kind of out of nowhere bassam starts egging you on and bassam starts threatening sigurd so you eventually fight bassam and eventually you trap bassam into this simulation type thing where he's stuck there forever sigurd lives (laughs) yeah and you get to go out now from that point is the ending any different from yours than it was mine so for me i didn't really have a change from what you described in terms of that ending um i uh really enjoyed the satisfaction of bassam becoming that antagonist at that part and trapping him in that contraption forever was definitely worth it after the entire time you were playing, you know, um, in the beginning, they allude to you that you shouldn't trust, trust Bassam fully, which was a nice, um, definitely a nice foreshadow because at that point you kind of see like, yeah, I really shouldn't have, I guess, you know, based off of like how the story's going, and as far as Sigurd is concerned, it was really nice to kind of reclaim your brother. Yeah, it was. It was it was a it was a reclaiming moment, a reclamation, because he followed this path of I am a god. And Folke, I liked Folke for that. She was the first big bad person in the game for me, besides yeah. uh Kutjev, the cruel, whoever yeah. the uh the, the leader was at the beginning of the rival clan. Fulke, I, I, I just in, in thoroughly liked. And that was the shift 
of where Sigurd's path was going versus where Aver was going. So my, you know, long story short, that was the same ending that I got to that point. Definitely. Okay. So from there, do you want to go into where the ending goes from that point? I can continue explaining it if you want, unless you want to go for it. I mean, honestly, I like how you explain the endings. Okay. Um, so you trap Bassam, you reclaim your brother, uh, as you, as they, as they said, and then Layla, who's currently in the Animus, goes, okay, I know where this machine is. If we power down this machine, we can save the world. Because in the real world, the world's about to end. They're going through, you know, another apocalyptic thing. So you end up you end up going to Norway, getting to that area where you do the huge battle, trap Bassam in. And Bassam is a corpse. Of course he is, because it's been over thousands of years since that happened. Mm-hmm. And you go up to it, you start the machine, and Layla ends up getting trapped with Bassam um, because she gets hooked into the machine. And the simulation is different for everybody, it seems like, because for Sigurd and Eivord, it was Valhalla. For Bassam, it was like complete darkness and the three weavers of fate from Norse mythology weaving tapestries. And then <laughs> yeah. for Layla, you know, you find out that there is this there's the the data scripter or something like that where this man's been stuck in the machine for all of time and he's trying to find a solution to save them all and to stop all these apocalyptic things from happening so bassam kind of switched places with uh with layla and i really don't know how he did it because it's not really shown but Mm -hmm. of course his body lands right on there's this staff that kind of keeps you young and alive that Layla was carrying. She drops it when she gets into the machine and Bassam's corpse uh, falls on it. So his body starts to regenerate. And he mentions, he mentions that b- before, you know, you go back to the, to the base and wherever they are, Greenland or something for, for wherever Avor was buried. You know, he says that, you know, at 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 Lethia or Atlantia or something like that. This was planned. They planned this, and Bassam completed his mission, or at least whatever it was. So Bassam pretty much takes the role of Layla now, where everybody's like, "Whoa, like what's going on?" Layla is now trapped in the machine, and Layla doesn't want to get out of the machine because she's trying to figure out the solution to save all of humanity. That's what. That's what Layla's doing while she's stuck in the machine. So you end up finding yourself right at that end point. Bassam's like, oh, I want to speak to our leader, like the Assassin's Creed leader, because Bassam's part of the Ancient Ones. And from there, the two sidekicks that Layla kind of has, and they're pretty forgettable because I don't even remember their names, um, go on, go to get the boss, and it stops there. Bassam then goes into the machine, and you pick back up again as Eivor. That's kind of it for that story. Yeah. Um, I, I I really don't know what the ending with, with Sigurd was supposed to be, if I'm being honest, because I feel like there's a bad ending where Sigurd dies uh, mm-hmm. just because you kind of make choices that either piss off Sigurd or make him happy. And you're, you're he kind of becomes a dick 
in the yeah. <laughs> in the halfway oh, point yeah. where he's oh, he definitely does where you're kind of like oh like i don't i don't agree with anything you're doing or saying and i'm gonna go against it because you know you're the player as avor you can make that decision i went against it and i had made early choices to help like gain sigurd's favor so if you're looking for that ending you won't get it from either of us <laughs> um, yeah so Bassam now hops back into the animus and now you're pretty much at the point where you can start the raid and try to and do the raid on King Alfred in in ways. So you mentioned it as well. Your first battle with Folke is kind of the the one point where you get a bunch of your allies to come help you. And that was a fun battle because you I I loved Folke for what she did to yeah. Sigurd. So yeah. I and that fight was so worth it. Like that was such yes, a fun was. fight. She's she's hiding in shadows. She's taking out lights and then she tries to escape. But, you know, your Viking brother would end up cornering her and you have kind of a classical one on one battle with all the Viking people, you know, surrounding you. And that was such a cool final battle. Yeah. In that aspect. Now, the final battle of the pledge quest storyline is the biggest fault I have with this game. So in a lot of ways, it starts the same way as Folke's where you, you gather up an army, you start doing these like little things to hinder her to hinder, sorry, him out King Alfred. And it's finally time to attack his base. So you start attacking the base, you're raiding and his, his lackey, I'm going to go just says, Oh, he's not here. You have to fight me instead. So you mm -hmm. fight him instead, and he either one you kill him, or two he kills himself to yes. not let to not give up King Alfred's um, location. And if you don't do the Order of the Ancients, that's how that story ends. Yeah, King Alfred gets away, and you're like, oh, now okay. what? Yeah. Because the the game then tells you that you can start going after the Order of the Ancients. And I hated this decision. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how much I loathed it. So before I get too far into it, what did you think of everything before that that part? See, I, I had a, I have a similar take to what you like. Falke, perfect. I was a huge fan of that battle too. Just to go back to it really quickly, it was different from the norm of what you were doing because you were trying to, she was so crafty and in her own way, stealthy at times Yeah, that it just changed completely how you were fighting. And even the boss fights that you utilize, that you had to go to up until that point did not have any of that, those mechanics in there. So it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Like if that was the final boss or the second to final boss, it would have been fantastic. Yeah, it would have. Um, Fighting to chip away at Alfred after you've been already basically chipping away at Alfred by doing all of these subquests in these areas was really what hit the snooze button for me. Yeah. In this part of the game. I'm I'm expecting this showdown. I'm expecting a cutscene to stop uh gameplay 15 minutes into fighting where you see something that makes it all worth it and then you go back into fighting and then another cutscene happens 20 minutes later and then you see alfred over here and you run over like i'm expecting this like grand 
firework display after yeah. all that you have done. And it was just so lackluster in comparison. And you're right. If you don't complete the, the order, if you don't kill all of those, um, all of the people that you're supposed to kill throughout the game, it kind of is just like, okay. And, and what else? Like, <laughs> yeah. tell me more, you know? Um, I think that the decision, and I don't want to take too much from what you're going to explain as well, like further, but I think the final decision, if you do complete the order, um, at least up until the point that you need to, of what Alfred ends up being is okay. And I think it's poetic, but I, I wanted, I wanted a Viking ending. Like yeah, a, you, like a Viking ending. You yeah, know? you you want to burn whatever castle he's held up in in this grand spectacular battle. And mm -hmm. what I hate about it is that the the order of the ancients throughout your entire playthrough is not really something where they go, "Oh, you have to be doing this." This it's it's optional. It was yeah. optional in Odyssey, and mm -hmm. they make it optional here where. I think that decision was really poor. Mm -hmm. They what they what they should have done is at the end pretty much at the second to last, you know, part where Bassum then goes into the game, they should have acted like that was the end game. Like okay, you're done. And they should then start telling you go go and finish the rest of the Order of the Ancients and then come back to try to take over England. And while that is a bit more of a slog for everyone to do, trying to phase the Order of the Ancient as this quote-unquote optional thing doesn't work. No. Because in, in the end, you have to kill all the Order of the Ancients to get a bit more of a satisfying ending to it all. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just so poor in storytelling yeah. where in storytelling is uh, imagine reading a book and you're you're left at the same point where you're trying to kill let's say it's a revenge tale you're trying to kill the the you're trying to kill you know the person that wronged you and at the end of the book it turns out that he escaped and that you have to read an optional other book <laughs> to get some sort of to get some sort of closure out of that because in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, video games are like movies and video games are like storybooks. You're supposed to have this ending that either one, you know, cliffhangs you till the next game or the next book or two gives you that ending, whether it's yeah. satisfying or not. It's up to the person who reads it. But the fact that the order is something that I didn't I didn't focus on the order. I did a little bit of it in the beginning. And throughout the story, you kill you kill people of the order just anyway. Yeah, like but, naturally. Yeah, yeah, but I just wanted to get to the end of that 60-hour, 100-hour story to the yeah. point where it's just like, okay, I want to be done with this game. Like, th this is the problem with long games, 100-hour-plus games, where I have no problem putting 100 hours into Persona 5. And because that is a constantly the story is constantly coming in and it's constantly giving you something new. I'll admit 
the beginning of the game is a little slow because it's trying to teach you 700 different tutorials. But regardless, at the end of that game, you are left with, you know, you can have a bad ending and then there's a good ending, blah, 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 on Persona 5. But Persona 5 never tells you, okay, there's this optional storyline mm-hmm. to, especially in the original. In the original one, you know, there's not this optional storyline to get, you know, this this sour taste. And even even in Persona 5, whether it, and, and now I'll talk about Royal here. Where in Persona 5, even if you don't do the optional stuff to get the second semester, it's yeah. still a satisfying ending, regardless mm-hmm. of how uh, of how you put it. And if if you're going to make the big bad of the game killable through an optional area or an optional thing, then make it mandatory. Yeah. I, th- th- that's my biggest gripe, because I was so happy to finally be done with Assassin's Creed and then or like be done with Assassin's Creed Valhalla until all the DLC comes out and now that I have to I eventually have to go back into Valhalla and just start killing Order of the Ancients and I'm so overpowered like these dudes I'm literally going to be able to flick my axe at them and they're all gonna die at the blink of an Mm. eye so why not make it mandatory it you hit the nail on the head yeah. yeah, you hit the yeah, you hit the nail on the head and you know you have a right to be as passionate about it because it is infuriating that that is an optional thing. The ending is not as linear as it should be and it's not as satisfying as it should be and if this particular portion of the game was supposed to help that ending transcend for the gamer why is it sitting up on a to-do list? You know, it's sitting up on a to-do list. Like, you know, when like the new year happens and we all tell each other we're going to like eat better. Yeah. It just, it just kind of sits on your calendar or it sits in your notes section on your phone. Like, Hey, I should eat better, but like you never do it. And then like, what if all of a sudden like something crazy happened because you did not do that? You know, like it's, it's just like, it's sitting there, and the, and if you play Valhalla, if you're somebody listening here who hasn't yet and you start playing, you will see these. There are specific tasks in the game that will just sit there while you complete every other task, yeah. and they won't, they won't buzz. They won't tell you that you should do this. They're, it'll just sit there. It's like that with the... Uh, with the Jotunheim and um, Asgard. Like Asgard will sit there the mm-hmm. entire game. And you could choose to do it or not, you know, like, and, but that's not supposed to be part of the main, main story. This is like Assassin's Creed. This is Hidden Blade. This is, you should have to kill a specific target, group of targets. And they don't emphasize it enough. They they shift the emphasis and keep the emphasis on the Viking simulator. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm being derogatory there, but it is. Yeah, Um, no, you're not wrong. But they keep the focus on the Viking simulator. And then when you are somebody like you or me who invests 80, 90, 100 hours into this game, we want that satisfaction. And going to your Persona 5 comparison, you get that. You know, the story evolves. It keeps evolving. And by the 100th hour or whatever month you're in in the technical game, it is still evolving. Yeah. So by the time the end happens, it's a tearjerker. It, it, it closes so many doors for you. And that's what this game has to do. It's the job of this game to do that. 
if I am playing a game that is above 50 hours, the game needs to have that conclusion that is worth my time investment. And if it doesn't, you get people like you and me who are like, really? Yeah. So like full, so like full K was the best boss battle of this game. Like, you know, like it's just like you get like that, you know, which happens like 30 hours into the game. Exactly. You know, it's just like, ugh. and I was the person where the, the order of the ancients was the best part of the game for me. I like you did it in, I didn't do all of it. I would get to them as I need to. I'd got all to all of them at the end, but mm -hmm. like you're going to see by the end, I was so overpowered that even the separate order of the ancients, like the Templars who are not the Templars, um, whoever are the, the people who are guarding them, there's like a specific separate group that are on the outskirts of the screen you're looking at. And yeah. They're they kind are, of like bounty hunters. I think. Yeah. And they're supposed to be powerful and they are, if you try to fight them, they rock you. But by the time I handled those people, I was mowing through them because I had to do it in order to get the ending that I, as the gamer, deserved for what I put into the game. So I'm, I mean, I was just, I was, I had a lot of emotions, but a lot of them weren't good for the end game. There was like the really, like I had that really, this is what they're giving me kind of aspect. I had the, it's when you eat a meal, but you you're still hungry, you know, but you're yeah. at a restaurant, so you should be full, you know, that's like how kind of how I felt. And it did not feel like a right ending after all of that time spent. It did not at all. And yeah. And, and I'll mention too, the ending doesn't need to be satisfying. If, if they were cliffhanging to an Assassin's Creed Valhalla 2, that is a different aspect of it. That is True. a, but that's not that's not the way they phrase it. It's not like, you know, it's not this crazy long final battle where you're left at the end of it going, OK, I'm ready for Valhalla 2. Like that's that's not how they, you know, phrase the end, this vanilla ending of Valhalla. And mm -hmm. I would forgive them if Valhalla 2 was something that they were working on, but when you find out who the final character in the um in the order of the ancients is you realize that wait this isn't this isn't something in valhalla 2 that's going to happen this is something that i could have completely skipped over and yeah. never have touched in my life if i didn't if i didn't need to and that's that yeah that's just what i don't get why why try to say like the game spends this time making you hate Folke and you finally get the satisfaction you want by fighting her. And I do have to admit there isn't a lot of buildup toward fighting King Alfred in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You literally see him like kind of two times in the story. One where there's the negotiation of prisoners where Folke convinces Alfred to take Sigurd and start doing all the all the experiments on him and then the other point is when you actually go to help him quote unquote and then he ends up betraying you so mm -hmm. there isn't this huge there isn't this huge build-up and in a lot of assassin's creed games there's kind of this bad guy behind it all and in in this you realize that the bad guy killed your family or 
has been terrorizing the city or something like that. So you want to have, you want this final battle. You're ready to end it. And origin and Assassin's Creed origins and Odyssey did this right, where there is a satisfying, like final battle kind of ending sequence to it where Valhalla doesn't do that. And I just don't get where, where they decided that making the order of the ancients, the an optional thing at that point it's especially when the, the person you want to battle and want to face is hidden behind oh there's more objectives you have to do exactly um, it, it it's what leaves the sour taste in my mouth and i'm gonna and i i'm gonna i'm i have a written review that i'm gonna be putting up on the website but the ending is paramount to any movie to any video yeah. game to any story anything where you're trying to evoke an emotion if you don't invoke even one and let me tell you anger can be used in a way that can evoke a good like a good emotion or or angry because you didn't invoke anything at all exactly. and that's what that ending does it doesn't invoke it leaves this oh there's more to do and and that's my biggest fault with it and i know we're going on it for a while but that's literally going to be the point where for a lot of people that ending of the game is going to make you regret the time you spent with it. Yes. Especially if you're looking at especially if you're an avid gamer where mm -hmm. you buy all the new games. So, yes, it took me a while to get Valhalla done, but that's because I was too busy playing the new Call of Duty, the new this game, the new that game, the new whatever game was next on the list. And I finally find my way back to Valhalla in a way only to wish that I hadn't. <laughs> from that ending yeah. and you know i uh, go ahead yeah I, i'm in the same I, I i'm literally in the same boat i put it down um when playstation 5 came out i bought bahala demon souls and um i also had miles morales and i obviously picked the longest game to start <laughs> uh out of the three and I put it down relatively 10 hours before the ending just because new games were coming out. I got sucked into Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah. I got sucked into a little bit of Watchdog Legion just to get started. But then my wife ended up playing it more. Um, I got stuck in all of these these cyberpunk. You know, I kept yeah. putting down Valhalla to try these new games. And that's what happens when you like to play a lot of them. But I, like you, came back in and I was like, you know, I was like, I have a couple of hours. I have a couple of hours tomorrow too. You know what? I just need to finish it. I need to conclude it for myself. I already put this much time in and I came back in and I was so disappointed. My wife was actually watching that part of the game. She liked the order of the ancients part the best. So I actually would call her in anytime that she would be, um, anytime that I was assassinating, assassinating somebody in the order of the ancients, she wanted to come and see it. Um, how I did it, wh who wh it was, you know, yeah. she liked the clues leading up to them. So you had to find clues in specific areas and you follow, you found the third clue and it would show you exactly where they are, mm -hmm. relatively where they are. Yeah. She loved that. She was watching the ending with me and she was like, that's it. I was like, I think that's it. And she was like, okay. You know, like she had even not putting the hours that I put into the game, a very similar to react reaction to what an ending should be like. And for somebody who didn't 
put a hundred hours into a game to re realize that an ending that she's watching is not an ending that you would expect from a game of that magnitude, I think is pretty telling. Yeah. Um, so I came in, I thought I was going to finish it. I thought it was going to be great. You know, I thought I should also make popcorn for the occasion, maybe get some <laughs> flowers. And in the end, you just wanted to burn those flowers, you know? And it's just like, they, that was the poorest decision in the game itself to me. Not the gameplay, not the fact that there were so many storylines crammed into a huge landmass of storylines. Like you could argue anything about the game pros and cons, but like the con, the largest con for me, I think, was where they, the route that they took with this ending, which is unfortunate because like you were saying, that is the bread and butter of why we are putting our time into the game. We want the conclusion. And you're right. It doesn't have to necessarily satisfy you, but it has to invoke an emotion that is better than anger because it is not invoking emotions. Like yeah. that's not the, that's not the anger you want. If you get the angry that the main character that you have been going through and let's say a hypothetical game, whatever. And let's say that the antagonist ends up killing your main character and that's the ending. And you get the anger of this person that you've grown attached to and you've played as dying at the hands of the person you've been chasing the whole game. Heck yeah. Bring that on. If that's what it invokes, give it to me. That's a gamer ending. Yeah. This yeah. was not, this one was not, it was not, an ending that constitutes the emotion that I think I should be feeling at that moment. So you, you hit the nail on the head. You, like, I yeah, don't know and, what they were doing there. Yeah. And to, to be honest, and I'll even use it as the example in Valhalla, if there was this gigantic battle and this hard fought battle with Alfred and he still manages to get away, I'm okay with that because yeah. then I at least got a taste of yeah. what I wanted. It, exactly. It, and then and then you can tease Valhalla 2 or something like mm -hmm. that from there. But the fact that you end up killing this lackey, and I get that it's supposed to... His lackey, in a lot of ways, is supposed to be someone like that you could maybe turn with and maybe get on your side, where mm -hmm. it really doesn't end like that. You know, the two options, at least for me, were he kills himself or you kill him. Like mm -hmm. that was pretty much the two options there. And his death in that final battle, there is a lot of death going on from characters that you make pledges with. And there, and I get that fighting him is supposed to be, it just falls flat on the emotion scale because yeah. this person is someone you met for one mission. Yeah. And he sort of helps you. He's he's a dick in the beginning. You grow he you grow grow on each other toward the end of the little pledge quest for King Alfred. And that's just it would be different if Sigurd ends up being a you know, the if if Sigurd was the last person you fought and still didn't get to kill King Alfred, but let's just say Sigurd was in lines with King Alfred the entire time. And you build up that storyline to where that betrayal is a huge surprise and you either are forced to kill him because he's siding with the order or because it 
goes against your entire clan way like there there's a way that this story works there's a way that you can make it so king alfred gets away but you need to have that final battle that's somewhat emotional evoking and this guy i didn't care for he could he could have lived he could have killed himself or i could have killed him and i would not have felt one or two ways about it but that's not what they did and it's if that's the emotion that they were going for was this guy is supposed to invoke an emotion. They didn't do a very good job. They needed to introduce that character maybe earlier on and grow it, grow more of an attachment to him as a friend. And not to mention with King Alfred, not being in the picture in the history books, he is in the picture. He is like, he's not even really that necessarily an antagonist in the history books. He is more of a guy who unites Wessex like so they're taking and i know they like to be historically accurate with their games that's one of the appeals of their games mm-hmm. but you take a guy who's actually in 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 real life he can be seen at least in my social study history classes as a protagonist <laughs> you yeah. know he could be seen that way and he is more so seen that way so you're going to take this guy you're going to make him an antagonist for your game you're not going to give much camera time to the guy to make me feel like I want to hate him. And that's fine. If when it comes time to face him, I fe- I need to feel it. Yeah. I have to feel some sort of energy. I need to feel some type of way about this gentleman other than w- the five minutes you've shown me of him, you know, um, regardless of whether he is directly facing you or like you brought up a good point. Like even if he eluded you, but there was a big thing, a big battle and a big cutscene, and all of these things that kind of led to the eventual eluding you. And then the teaser for either DLC or not even DLC, but a, a Valhalla two. Yeah. You know, they need to take a step back and look at something like God of war in terms of getting people excited for the next God of War, you know, like, um, you know, not to bring a whole new game in the mix, but every time you finished a God of War, especially the latest one, you were like, okay, I can't wait. Like, you know, like you you wanted the next one because there was that cliffhanger. And if you're going to have Alfred escape, then have that cliffhanger and get people excited for the next project that comes out. Um, But... mm. It just was not a good last five hours, 10 hours of the mm. game. It just so, was not. Yeah, so I, I know we're kind of running in circles here with the ending. We so are. we're going to go ahead into our final thoughts here with the game. So you can take it as this from my perspective, and it's and it could be different for both Craig and I here. But for me, the gameplay is good enough to make you enjoy playing the game and going through the game and doing these pledge quests and finding out more about Sigurd and his destiny and whatnot. But the, the, the combat and the gameplay can take you only so far to the point where if you heard, if you heard the podcast and would still want to play Valhalla, you know what that ending is. So you're a bit more prepared than we were for the ending that you, for the ending you get. And maybe you're a bit more prepared to the point where you get to the farthest point you can in the order of the ancients you do that, and then you finish up the Order of the Ancients. And there's this one big spectacular kind of flurry to it. And that 
could end up being a more satisfying ending for you than it was for us. But the there are so many gaps between the good story and kind of the separate stories to where it, it really makes it hard to recommend this game because it is a 60 to 100 hour investment. If it if Assassin's Creed Valhalla were 10 to 20 hours easy, I would say, yeah, give it give it a good play. You know, it it would be worth it for somebody to invest that amount of time. But you who invested 100 plus hours, me who at least invested 50 to 60, I would have expected more out of that ending of just Mm -hmm. in general and to not have the ending I want be optional. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Uh, so, you the good thing about Valhalla is that you can make it a fifty hour game for you. You can also make it a hundred and twenty. I like to take a step back when I play games, and I like to say, was it worth the sixty dollars? Now, time frame comes into play there, yeah, because you can have something like a Little Nightmares two that would that in my mind is worth eighty dollars, but it only was like a ten or fifteen hour game but yeah, it was a yeah. heck of a ride for 10 to 15 hours. But then you can have a Bahala that is the gameplay will keep you for a certain amount of time, but it's like anything else where you eventually get tired if the substance is not there. And the gap between the good stories points and the, what I like to say, half-hearted attempt at the storyline in terms of the, uh, what was her name? Kel- Kelsey? Um, uh, her name's escaping me, but the the side of the factor, the, 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 the woman who got caught in the contraption after Basel. Layla. Layla. Layla, sorry. The Layla side was so infrequent, unless you were directly going to those storyline points, it didn't feel at times like a $60 game to me. It really didn't. So if you were listening to this podcast in length and in full, you are going to have that warning of what's to come end game. But the fact that you could play a Viking, build up your settlements, um, create havoc for the English goers there as a Viking sing viking tunes pillage rock people with your choice of weapons whether you like to go (laughs) dual weapon like barry and i or whether you like to stick to sword and shield if you do dual weapon you will mow people down by that point in the game you just will but that's beside the point that is enough to constitute a 50 to 60 dollar game because of the amount of hours that you can do that without getting incredibly bored yeah I don't like to give numbers out of 10 because it just is so subject. Yeah, it's I wouldn't not, hear either. It's not really a, a good a good point uh, to do that. I've noticed over the years when I like to talk to people about games. So it's, you know, grab it if you, if you hear the ending that we spoke of and you still are not, or if you're going to take steps to make sure that ending doesn't happen to you the way it happened to Barry and I, then by all means, grab it, you know? Uh, there's nothing like being a Viking. It's like I said earlier about being a pirate. You don't, you're not going to wake up a pirate in real life and have to deal with real life pri- pirate problems or real life Viking problems. So grab it. I say grab it. But if you're not excited 
to have a lackluster ending after putting the amount of hours like as a Barry or myself have put into it, then I would say, I would say try Odyssey and get full (laughs) and get full fulfillment. (laughs) Like, you know. Yeah. And there, that's not to say Odyssey isn't super overwhelming because it is. Odyssey was a slog to get through, but you know, (laughs) I'm in love with the time period and that's a different, that's kind of a different reason to finish that game. But uh, 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 Valhalla is going to give you the, you know, it's going to, if, if you end up liking it enough, you're going to want to learn more about the Viking history and watch the Viking history TV show, which I'm going to say right now, it's actually a good, good TV show. It's like Viking mm-hmm. game of Thrones. It's, it's pretty good. So, you know, I, I want to, I'm going to say this game was worth it despite it. Cause one, it showed me the love for kind of Norse and Viking mythology that got me into it. And if a game does enough to get you into more of their lore, I think it's done enough to, to make it worth your time. But yeah. And, and Craig says it right here too. You've now listened to this podcast. You now kind of know what this ending is going to be. You can prepare yourself for it. I just think as, for both me and Craig who didn't expect it and her and for both of us who are used to more satisfying or gratifying endings in a way, this is, this is just what just left the, um, the sour taste in our mouths. Because if I'm going to be honest, like I, I look at my time for through Valhalla and I just keep coming back to the ending and all the negatives I had with the ending and all the negatives I have with the game. And Valhalla reviewed fairly well amongst a lot of critics and whether, you know, reviewing and stuff it, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, that I won't get into in here, but I just don't think there was enough people talking about the fact that the order is optional. And if you want to get a better ending, you need to do that optional stuff. And if you do it throughout the game, it's going to be a lot uh, throughout your time with the game. It's going to be a lot easier to do and a lot easier to achieve that um, ending you want. So, you know, it it's kind of, it feels weird ending a podcast like this because we yeah. both are kind of in this, uh, we're both kind of in this weird area where we liked certain aspects of the game, but the ending continues to bring us to the same point where the ending was so unforgettably flat and boring. It just makes me think about all the negatives I had with the game. I know yeah i mean it's it's 40 dollars. go out and get it if you're gonna get it get it now you know i think it's 40 bucks right now so i would i would do it if you're going to do it even after our ramblings i would say get it now while it's 40 (laughs) yeah so with that craig i i really want to thank you for you know talking about assassin's creed valhalla for over an hour here it was a lot of fun it considering was. we're we're both going back and forth about a franchise that we've spent a lot of time with and yeah. have a lot of engagement with as well. So yeah. with that, you know, everyone, thank you for supporting the podcast and listening all the way through here. This is probably if you're into Assassin's Creed, you will probably listen to this entire podcast. But if <laughs> yes. you're not, this may be a little bit harder to get through. Yes. But you know, still, you know, if you've got a friend that's maybe on the fence about Valhalla, you know, show them this podcast and show them, you know, tell them they can go right to the ending thoughts of our 
of our time with the game to kind of decide whether or not they want to do it. You know, a lot, uh, an hour and 45 minutes is a lot to get through. So I understand, you know, not everybody has the time, but you're, you'd be doing yourself a favor and you may be doing your friend a favor with, um, kind of, you know, becoming more educated about what goes on in this game before you spend the money and end up being upset with it. If you end up being upset with it. So if you like it again, Thank you for supporting and sharing the podcast. If you're interested, we have a Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We also have a Twitch channel, which I haven't done a lot of lately. That's my fault. And on highsensitivitygaming.com, by Friday or Saturday, I'm going to have this podcast up, and I will also have my written review up. So if you're interested in reading my written review, it is much like the audio version here. So maybe you like to read or you like to or you like to listen. <laughs> You've got both options there. Yes, you so, do. So, Craig can't thank you enough hey thank you so much for having me very nice to talk about this game and always nice to be on the podcast yeah and we'll we'll continue we will continue to have him on craig's such a fun guy to have on and he plays a lot of the same games we do and i it's it's a lot of fun to have a discussion about games because not everybody has the friend group in order to have these discussions about games so with that we'll catch you next time see you guys later bye